This is worldradiogardening.com. This is World Radio Gardening and it's our monthly uh, podcast answering all your questions and queries about all things in the garden and as the weather's turning slightly warmer after the clock's turning back I bet you're eager and keen to get out and about. We've had loads of emails into the uh, mailbox so thank you very much if you sent an email in. Uh, We'll give you the details on uh, where to send your messages and questions and queries to a little bit later on so uh, get your pen and paper ready. I'm joined as ever by our gardening expert Ken Crowther. Nice to be here talking and it's good that we're getting so many emails and so many questions sent to us, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the the mailbox is almost overflowing this month. So let's get going uh, with Dot uh, from Jesmond, which is right up Northumberland way. So uh, around Newcastle area. Thanks very much for, for getting in touch, Dot. Now, uh, she says her, her lawn's very bare in places and... Uh, uh it, it's deteriorating each year she doesn't have any pets or dogs and and no kids playing football on it all the time so uh what might be the problem there ken well I, there's two things i mean she could have um perhaps a north facing garden with very little light there is that that she could have um but as she's saying it deteriorates each year i'm beginning to wonder because in the last few years crane flies that's the old daddy long legs. They lay their eggs into lawns and it's been getting worse and worse year on year. I don't know why it's been getting worse and worse year on year, but it seems to be. And they produce a thing called a leather jacket. Now, they lay them in the autumn. They produce uh, over winter and then they emerge in, well, about March time, which is sort of early March through March. So, And she's just written to us. So I think she's got a problem with leather jackets. Now, what leather jackets do is they love munching on the roots of the grass, which, of course, destroys it, and you end up with these bare patches in places, which is what she's saying. So I think she needs to get hold of some nematodes or some nemesis uh, specifically for leather jackets. Uh, Not difficult to get. Um, There's companies that do it. You just go on to the web, you can find them nice and easy, or you can go into the back of a gardening magazine and you'll find them and they send them through the post. You mix them up in a watering can and water these little fellows onto the lawn. Basically, they're a microscopic worm and it goes in search of the leather jacket and actually enters the body. It's not very friendly, but it enters the body and kills the body uh, by being inside the leather jacket. Horrible story. I hope you're not eating your tea when you're listening to this, but that's that's the way you do it. The only other, if you want to not use that at all, you water your lawn, cover it with a hessian or black plastic overnight, pull it up in the morning and they'll all be on the top and you can feed the starlings and the blackbirds, which at this time of the year is something worth doing. Yes, I noticed a lot of the birds around where I am are gathering up nesting material and uh, yep. uh, there'll be little ones on the way uh, before not too long, I'm sure, if not already. So there we go, Dot. Hope that helps you. Uh, Harry is from where in Hertfordshire. Uh, it's got a lovely uh, peach tree full of bloom, but hardly ever gets any fruit from it, Ken. What could be the problem with that, uh, Harry's uh, peach tree? Well, it depends where he's got it. And what he's not telling us is where he's got this fan peach tree problem is with all peach nectarine and apricot they're early flowers now if you've got an early flowering tree the biggest problem is cold nights 
particularly frost, but even a cold night. Because what will happen is you've got good daytime temperatures. You might get the odd bee out, but at the moment we haven't had much uh, insect life. So therefore we're not getting pollination. Uh, and this has happened for a couple of years now. So we've lacked pollination because of the weather problem. And then if you've got fluctuating temperatures and cold nights, the, the blossom that has been pollinated will not set properly and you will lose your peach nectarine or apricots and that's what i think he's got what he might not be doing is watching the night temperatures getting some horticultural fleece and covering the peach tree when it's in blossom with the fleece overnight to give it that little bit of extra protection and harry that's what i would do George has sent an email to us, Ken. Uh, George uh, lives down in Devon, lovely part of uh, the country. And uh, he's, George is saying because of the particularly nice weather that uh, we had at the end of, of March, uh, is it too early to plant out his geraniums? <laughs> if he's talking about bedding geraniums, definitely. Now, I, I know you've just said, haven't you, in your introduction there, you read it out and you said he's in Devon. And yes, oh, my word, it's a warmer part of the country. But if you look at the forecast, it's still forecasts of fluctuating temperatures. And I always reckon, well, in fact, my dad, you know, my dad was an Essex man and he always reckoned that you shouldn't, I'm going to say something that I don't know the answer to as well. He always reckoned you should never plant your bedding plants out till after cut final day. Now, my problem is, Owen, I don't know when cut final day is. You're going to tell me it's in, it was last week or the week before or next week. Do you know when it is? I, I, off the top of my head, no. <laughs> um, well, and it might be delayed this year because of COVID. Who knows? <laughs> uh, there's two of us that don't know when cut final, but we won't worry about cut final because we're talking gardening. I would not plant geraniums out, even in Devon, till at least the end of April, beginning of May. I really wouldn't. Just if you've got them in containers from last year, put the container out in the day, let them acclimatise themselves to the weather, but don't plant them out and then bring them back in at night. 15th of May. Oh, earlier than that. I reckon in Devon you could put them out um, at the end of April, beginning of May, possibly on that May bank holiday, the first one. But if you're listening and you live in Scotland, I definitely wouldn't do it till after the 15th of May. So there you go. Uh, George, wait till the FA Cup's on. That's when you need to uh, to plant them out. Um, Sarah in Croydon in South London, uh, which obviously another warm part of the world, says, uh, when can uh, she cut her early daffodils off? I'm surprised they're already over and done with, Sarah, to be honest. There's loads out where, uh, where I've yeah, seen. Yeah, there's a lot out around where I am. I'm surprised, but perhaps she's getting in readiness. Um, they always look messy, don't they? They do look messy when they go off and they go you know, a bit brown at the top. All I do is I dead head them. So I just pull the tops off, pull the seed head off. Now, the important thing is that if you want those daffodils to stay, actually it's a great time to feed them. So you liquid feed them at the same time. Uh, so you can use, you know, liquid grow more, any good liquid food would work, maxi crop. Give them a good liquid feed. It's absorbed through the leaf and it goes down into the bulb to strengthen the bulb for next year. Now that doesn't answer Sarah's question, does it? Um, it's about 14 weeks, which is a hell of a long time. All you've got to do is wait till they go yellowy before you cut them. If you cut them before, you're cutting off the nutrient that will go back to that bulb for next year. 
As I say, I think when I had daffodils, I just left them. Left them to it. Uh, yeah, yeah, they looked a bit straggly, but yeah. Um, and if you had them in the grass, you could do that, couldn't you? If you have them in a wild area, you just leave them alone, like you said. Just leave them alone and let them get on with it. The whole garden is wild area, to be honest, Ken, in, in uh, our house. but <laughs> <laughs> Except for the bit that you did. That's nicely like trimmed. That. <laughs> um, Fred uh, from uh, Worcester Park has sent us an email. Uh, hello, Fred. Thanks for tuning in to World Radio Gardening. Um, now, Fred is planting a, um, a bare root hedging, a uh, hornbeam, he says. Um, and asks well, what preparations needed uh, before planting. That's interesting because we always reckon we should finish that by the end of March now so he's, he's sort of getting close on his um, that's a recent one is it that one that's coming yeah yes yeah just uh, yeah. this week actually Ken right he's 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 playing very close to his to the wind you see because bare root you can only do really end of March just the beginning of April and the people who don't understand what I'm talking about is a lot of hedging plants are grown in nurseries lifted and they've literally got just the bare roots mm. and then they're packaged keeping them nice and moist and then sent out. Now, if he's got hornbeam, what I would do is dig a trench and then add good compost. You can either buy compost from your garden centre, any tree and shrub compost or um, even composted bark, anything like that. Work that into the bottom of the trench. And then with a hornbeam hedge, I hope he's brought enough because you need to plant them in a staggered row about nine inches to a foot apart. So they're in a staggered row. So actually they end up, if you do them at nine inches, it works nine's best. You'll get a good, thick hedge. Now, if they're just, a, and then you backfill, adding the compost, not just dumping it in the, in the trench with the plants, but you mix the compost with the soil you've dug out, mix it all up, put it back, and then heal them well in with, the, with your heel. And I mean heel, don't use the front of your foot, use the back because you'll heal it in much more solid and you'll hold those roots in nicely. Just a tip on all hedging, it's worth nipping them back by about a third. It's funny, you buy them, you know, a metre high, and then we cut, I suggest you cut a third off, and that is to make the bottom branch more, and that way you'll get a much thicker hedge. And hedges, of course, are, are great for all sorts of wildlife, aren't they? Not not oh, just birds, yeah. but you know, I'm I'm thinking, you know, hedgehogs and uh, mice that might might use them as cover from from yeah. uh, things that might come and try and pick them off, mightn't they? And of course, hornbeam's nice because it keeps most of its leaf during the winter, which is good as well. Well, I hope that helps, Fred. Uh, finally, for this podcast, uh, Judith. Oh, no, we've got another one after this one. Judith from Beaconsfield. Um, she is hoping to uh, do a bit of recycling, I suppose, or some up, upcycling, I, I guess is the term, uh, <laughs> after uh, some scaffold boards that she's acquired. I'm not going to ask how, how or why you've acquired them, Judith, but you've got some scaffold boards and are looking to, to make some raised beds. And she's yeah. wondering, uh, Ken, what, what's the best soil to put in these raised beds? Well, the thing is, people, depends on, I don't know, Beaconsfield, I don't know what sort of soil it's got, but generally what you've got in your garden is not great. I mean, especially if you lived in, say, Essex or some parts of North London. North London's got some black soil, but certain areas have clay, and you don't want clay in your raised beds. Now, the problem arises is because soil is not cheap. If you buy a good quality soil, from a soil merchant rather than just buying it off a job lot down the road, 
you should put decent soil in and add compost into it, um, which will cost you a few pounds. But if you spent a few pounds on it in the first place, you'll actually get much, much better results. So really go out, buy some soil. Depending, the scaffold board is about nine inches in, oh, sorry, I'll use old money for everything, but about nine inches. Um, if it's nine inches high, you might be able to mix a bit of your, your soil in with it, but do not just fill it with your garden soil. Definitely buy in a good growing loam and add with it anything, Compost out your compost heap, um, buy some tree and shrub, as I was talking, even bags of old bags of people that have used them for tomatoes in their greenhouse, you know, grow bags, anything like that to get some organic matter mixed in with it. And that's what you need to do. There you go, Judith. I hope that helps. And uh, it definitely is the final email this time. Susie from uh, Tunbridge Wells has uh, dropped us a line and said she's got some tomatoes and some pepper seeds that are in a, in a seed tray that's uh, on the windowsill uh, that's covered. But uh, with the warm weather, they are going berserk. They're growing like mad and actually already really pushing at the uh, the cover of the seed tray. But as we mentioned earlier in the episode, with the temperatures fluctuating, she's a little bit concerned about putting them out just yet. What, what should she be doing? Well, the problem... <laughs> I'm going to be really depressing because the problem is that they've actually been sown too early. And that's the um, if you if you had, had I wonder if she's got a glass she hasn't got a glass house, has she? She's no, no, talking. these are just on the windowsill by the, by the looks of it. You've got to keep them going on the windowsill, but really the problem will be that if they're getting good light, they're gonna outgrow themselves, they're gonna get quite weedy. Um, still worth trying because she can't put them out till in theory <laughs> cup final day, which is a month away or so, mm. isn't it? So we've got our work cut out there. Um, I would definitely sow some more as well um, because um, as I'll be coming to in a bit later on, because Andrew Toakley, he, he sends us a few hints. And one of the things he was talking to me about was tomato plants and how people do sow them a little bit early. You normally would sow them about now for growing outdoors. So right, okay. you see, that's one of the problems you've got. So, But don't give up. Keep them alive. Pop them on. Grow them into pots, in pots. Uh, don't give them too much sunlight. And then also sow some more in the, in the it's a propagator, is it? Mm. Does it yeah, you were in sea tray, she says, but I'm yeah. with a cover. But yeah, I'm guessing that's a, a propagator to me and you. Yep. So I would definitely sow some more at the moment as well. So they are. There we go. Well, I hope that helps there. And uh, if you would like to drop us an email, uh, we'll be giving you uh, the details. There's also a phone number as well if you want to give us a call too. Uh, we'll be giving you that in just a moment. But Andrew Toakley's uh, given us some uh, tips for this month, hasn't he, Ken? Yeah. Now, Andrew's from King's Seeds, which are in Kelverdon in Essex. And he's a good friend of us here at World Radio Garden, isn't he, Owen? And uh, He's he's a real keen veg man, isn't he? Oh yes, yeah. Uh, what he what Andrew doesn't know about his veg isn't really <laughs> worth knowing, is it? That's right. Now, what he's pointed out is that we have had some drying winds, and in fact, they've had quite an effect on the garden generally. But if you have been, if you've dug your ground thoroughly, it's a good time to either run the cultivator over it or break it down with a spade or fork get it down to some sort of position that you could sow. 
And then you can start sowing once the soil has warmed up. And I go on and on about this, but one of the ways you can test whether your, um, your soil is okay, you use radish. Now, the reason radish use radish is that they're very quick to germinate and to come up. So if they take longer than 10 days to germinate, it means that the ground is too cold, so you don't sow anything else. So it's as simple as that, because the soil temperature's got to be about seven degrees before you get good germination. So watch for that, because then you can sow, um, you can start sowing your, your parsnips, your carrots, and your beet, beetroot once the soil's warmed up, peas, and a second sowing of broad beans as well. However, you can plant your first and second early potatoes. You can get those in the ground right now. And onion sets. If you like onions, good to get your onion sets in now. He reminds people, and I will remind Suzanne, was it Susanna, on the tomatoes. Um, if uh, you can sow them, possibly the best time for outdoor is mid-April. And if you think about it, mid-April take you to mid-May to late May, and then you could put them out. So that's very important indeed. Um, if, you've, if you're lucky enough to have some glass, so Brussels sprouts, summer cabbage, cauliflower, calibres, and remember that those are plants you're planting, believe it or not, for next winter. Sow a few lettuce every two to three weeks and prick those out and plant in succession. If you've got a greenhouse, that's a great way of getting early crops. End of the month, so sweet corn, again, in modules. You can do that on your windowsill. Get them out at the end of May. So they are. Don't rush growing vegetables, he reminds us. There still may be frost around the corner. And be patient until the end of May. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just going to just hold off. You know, we might be getting a little bit too excited by the uh, weather. And certainly, uh, I think it was Susie in Tunbridge who uh, uh, was trying to grow the tomatoes. Uh, and perhaps it's yes. still just that little bit too early just yet. Hold your horses. Well, if you can't wait to uh, get a question answered, uh, then drop us an email. Uh, the email address, Ken, is... Post at worldradiogardening.com. Or you can give us a call here at World Radio Gardening. Leave a little message. The telephone number is 033334014. There's lots of doubles in there, so I'll say it one more time. It's 033334014. We'd like to hear uh, from you and hopefully answer your gardening questions. Ken, thanks ever so much, as always, for joining us for this podcast here from World Radio Gardening. Pleasure.